This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The artist formerly known as Prince, may he rest in peace, once urged us to party like it's 1999. Well... Looks like we're taking things up a notch. This is starting to feel like the year 2000 instead, with the Mets and Yankees being at the top of the NL and AL respectively. The Yankees won again up in Toronto last night, but we don't care. This is not called Yankees in the morning. The Mets won twice yesterday and did so against the defending World Series champions, and they did so with the ease and efficiency of unwrapping a stick of gum. The Mets now 18-8. and eight. So, to honor Prince's legacy, let's celebrate this thing. Here's a song he didn't write to help us out. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing while your coffee is brewing. Now, here's Josh Lewin. Scooby Down. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to celebrate this thing called life. It is Mets in the Morning. This is Josh Lewin. A little echoey. I apologize for that. You got to take the conference room they give you when you're traveling to record a podcast. But happy to transport you back to 22 years ago. Y2K, when supposedly the computers would all glitch out and chaos would wipe us back to the Stone Age, when John Rocker was ordered into counseling for that Sports Illustrated article where he denounced New Yorkers and pretty much all of humanity. What else was going on in 2000? Well, America was checking out the website hotornot.com, going to the movies to watch Tom Hanks in a volleyball starring Castaway, uh, and Denzel Washington coaching him up and Remember the Titans. And in Meet the Parents, Robert De Niro informed Ben Stiller, I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? The hot book was Tuesdays with Maury. Parents named their kids things like Topher, Brad Pitt married Jennifer Aniston. Uh, Richard Hatch won the first season of Survivor. So basically what I'm saying is it's been a while since the two New York teams were, as the song suggests, a number one top of the heap. We will get to what rhymes with heap, sweep. Uh, the Mets did that to the Braves on Tuesday afternoon and evening. But first, Buck Showalter weighed in on why he had to sit out Monday's game, a lackluster 5-2 to two loss. Here he was with the media before the doubleheader. What was your reaction to the suspension? What did the league tell you about why? Oh, that was yesterday. What about today? Oh. Right. What about the suspension? Yeah. I found out about 6.20-ish. Billy came in. I thought he was kidding. What are you going to do? What, what did they tell you as far as the reasoning? Oh, that's, I don't think they want me broadcasting that, but uh, I talked, talked to Billy, so obviously I made a call. Try to see about, uh, um, you know, what my uh, options were, um, and I guess, what do you call it when you take something to another court? Appeal. Uh, and he, I was told that was my appeal, the phone call. They have a committee that looks at those things. I was all based on umpire's report after the fact. It's hard in ju- to judge intent. 
Okay, and I don't know what's being said to them behind the scenes by some other group. Don't really care. I'm worried about the game today. Okay, we've moved on from St. Louis. If you don't, I mean, it's funny. We're the guys that have been hit and we're the ones getting punished. Think about it. It's kind of strange, but I just, believe me, I have some very, have some personal private thoughts about it. It probably doesn't do anybody any good to air it. It's, you know, I'm, the things that get on my cross stuff that's not fair for our players. It is weird, right? I mean, the, the Mets do keep getting plunks, and the Mets are the ones that keep getting in trouble for it. But Buck was back for game one, starting at 3.10 p.m. on a Tuesday, and the Mets wearing the alternate blue jerseys. The lefty out of the University of Oregon, David Peterson for the Mets, the veteran Charlie Morton for Atlanta, and the home team got it cranked up right away. Pete Alonzo up in the bottom of the first with Travis Jankowski at second. And the pitch hit to the right side and on through. A base hit into right field. Jankowski around third on his way home. He'll score standing. The throw from Demerit goes to second. Holding there is Lindor. And on at first with an RBI single is Pete Alonso. And the Mets have a one to nothing lead. Jankowski scores the run having survived cutdown day on Monday. And what a nice addition that former Stony Brook Seawolf has been. He's hitting around 320. Mets with the early lead. And then more support for the starter, Mr. Peterson, thanks to Eduardo Escobar. Payoff pitch. That's lined to right. That's a base hit. The runners were not going. Lindor rounds third. He's coming home. The throw goes to second. Lindor scores standing. Diving back to the bag at second safely is Alonzo. And on at first with an RBI single is Eduardo Escobar. Another two-strike hit. And the Mets have a two-to-nothing lead. First RBI for double E since homering on April 21st against the Giants. Lead was sliced to 2-1 to one by the Braves in the second, but in the bottom of that inning again, the Mets got an RBI hit from the Polar Bear. Alonzo with 20 RBIs through the first 25 games of the year. That's something he also did in 2019. 4-1 Mets after two. It'll be 5-1 to one in the fifth when Matt Olson went deep against Peterson with a couple of Braves aboard. So just like that, 5-4 to four now. But that was it. It was nine runs total between the two teams in the first half of the game. Zero in the second. So five runs, seven hits, one error for the Mets, four, five, and two for the Braves. Jankowski with a couple of hits, a walk, a stolen base. He scored three runs. He had two infield hits, and the Mets are good at that. They've got a major league leading 31 of those this year. Peterson went five innings, got his first win of the year, struck out a season high six, and the bullpen was large. Four shutout innings, allowing just one hit. Drew Smith was the star. He is still scoreless for this year, unscored upon that is. 11 and a third innings, no runs. And the first Mets pitcher since Jarris Familia to record 10 straight scoreless outings to begin the year. Jarris did that in 2018. Edwin Diaz, a couple of strikeouts to lock it up in that ninth inning. He's recorded multiple punch outs in seven of his 11 appearances this year. Just two hits allowed in his last eight innings now. 14 strikeouts in that time. Career save number 69 as a Met, which is not only nice, it ties him with Neil Allen for ninth on the Mets' all-time list. A lot to like in a snappy 5-4 win, and after the game, the manager spoke. What has, uh, what has Drew Smith meant to the bullpen, just the way that you've deployed him, and obviously having confidence in him at the back? Well, you know, we've been able to use him some with the proper rest. You, watched, you know, he had three days off and uh, was capable of pitching multiple ends, which... You know, there's two games today and another game tomorrow, so you're trying to win this game. And then um, he allowed us to stay away from Lugo, which gives us, uh, you know, 
fighting chance in the second game, so just got to work your way through it. But Drew's been solid. He, you know, I know it wasn't, uh, I know he's frustrated about the home run to Olsen. Olsen's has picked on everybody, so, but that was five innings where he didn't, you know, he gave us a chance there. That's a good offensive club. Oh, he's, you know, he, he's excited as a guy going his first game in Little League, <laughs> playing today and leading off. And, uh, you know, he's, guys like him and, and Gilbert May, they, uh, they bring it in these, in situations like this and tomorrow. In fact, you know, Trav was, I told him he's going to play both games, uh, almost Gilbert May, but, uh, and long story, but he's not going to start the second game, but, uh, Trav is. You know, Trav's been a pro. That's why we want to keep him. You know, he's, he, he brings a, some tools that we we need. He's a great piece for us and a good teammate and plays the game right. What made you want to lead him off as opposed to McNeil or someone else you could have put up there? Uh, the batting order fit better for the challenges it presented to their them and their really good bullpen. You know, I didn't think that, you know, it would look like we were going to get Morton out there, but they were trying to manage... You know, in double headers like this, you don't always manage the same way. So I knew uh, Snitton knew that was. You're trying to present a, a batting order that's challenging to a bullpen, but they have so many guys it doesn't matter left and right. We're getting ready to face one of the best pitchers in the National League. Very quietly, this guy's going as good as anybody in baseball. So that was a big game for us to get under our belt. So the Mets win five to four. They get to seventeen and eight at that point. Seven and one following a loss this year, which is impressive. Game two and the seven-line army showing out for this one. A game that started 25 minutes earlier than we thought it might because the first game had wrapped up so quickly. Darren Meenan, founder of the seven-line army fan group, told me as the season began, the Mets are 66 and 55 all time with organized seven-line events at various ballparks, home and road. That's a winning percentage of 545, which is playoff baseball. Sports Illustrated several years ago did an in-depth study on crowds, back when Sports Illustrated was Sports Illustrated. If you play at home, any kind of sports ball uh, against playing games on the road, baseball, football, basketball, soccer, hockey, they came up with a, a few myths about the whole thing. Myth number one would be home crowds influence performance. And they found that in the last 20 years in the NBA at that time, home free throw percentage and road free throw percentage, precisely the same. In, in basketball, in the NBA, 75.9. In the NHL, in shootouts, road teams were winning 51% of the time. In, uh, in the NFL, field goal kickers' field goal percentage was exactly the same, home and road. Visiting passer rating slightly better uh, at home than passer rating, but not significantly so. Major League Baseball, here's what they found. Pitchers were able to throw a ball within the strike zone 44.5% of the time, both at home and on the road, and with the same average velocity. They also found that there is a myth about the rigors of playing on the road, how tough travel supposedly kicks the butt of the visiting team. No, that's really not the case. Uh, another myth that uh, road schedules themselves are sometimes tough. Back-to-back -back road games in, uh, in some of those sports, no, not, not really a, a move-the-needle item. And what about unique home characteristics? Cold weather teams, no more likely to win at home in football when it is actually cold outside. Warm weather teams, no more likely to win at home when it's hot. They did find there is one thing with home field advantage, or at least they, they think they have this down. They call it unintentional officials bias. Referees and umpires subconsciously 
succumbing to the rolling tide of the crowd's very plainly stated desires. Here's where the Seven Line Army would come in. Psychologists call it informational conformity, that in the face of social pressure, one uses the crowd as kind of a, a cue to resolve whatever uncertainty you have in your, in your umpire mind just in that split second. So the larger and more passionate the crowd is and the more ambiguous the situation, the more the home team gets a break. So I think the best example of that for me, would Eric Gregg's strike zone have been that big in the 1997 NLCS had that Marlins-Braves game been in Atlanta as opposed to Miami? The article argues probably not. Go watch Naked Gun again and watch Lieutenant Frank Drebin behind the plate calling balls and strikes as Enrico Palazzo. And as the crowd got into it, right, I mean, the, the first pitch was just on the corner. Then the second pitch was a few inches off, but the crowd was roaring. Frank Drebin seemed to like where this was going. And before you know it, it's strike three with a, a pitch about a foot outside. So anyway, just, just throwing that all out there because the upshot of the seven-line army is you guys may indeed make a difference, but not necessarily for the reasons you may have thought. That's according to a study. Anyway, Carlos Carrasco on the mound for the Mets in game two, trying to rinse and spit the horrible taste of his last start out of his mouth. They're really the only true clunker of a start that a Mets pitcher has had all year, some four weeks along, which is pretty remarkable. Support for the Venezuelan native right away. Just like in game one, the Mets got cooking in the bottom of the first. The 0-1 lined in the air to left. That's pretty deep. Headed towards the corner. Demerit won't reach it. It is a fair ball. Base hit. Bounds up against the wall. It'll bring in two. Nimmo has scored. McNeil right behind him. Scores standing. And on it. Second with an opposite field. Two-run double is Dominic Smith. And the Mets have a 2 to nothing lead. Well, that's five RBIs for Dom in his last two starts now. Dominic surviving cut down day and getting it done. This game stayed 2-0 until the bottom of the sixth when up came Mr. Alonzo. 2-2, two two, a pitch to Alonzo. Swing and a high fly ball, well hit to right field. Acuna going back onto the track at the wall. Gone! Home run! Pete Alonzo with an opposite field homer. And the Mets now have a 3 to nothing lead for Alonzo, his fifth home run of the year, as he tucks it into the Mets' bullpen to the left of the 370 mark. Alonzo has been getting a lot of singles the other way, shows his opposite field power, and the Mets are up 3 to nothing. 49th career home run at City Field, tied with David Wright for the third most in the ballpark's history. Now, this is getting to be a thing. Four homers, 13 RBIs in seven games when he DHs this year. That's the most home runs of any designated hitter in the National League right now. He's only played seven games at that position. 3-0 was the score then. 3-0 would be your happy final. Carrasco the win, Seth Lugo the save, since Diaz had pitched in game one. After this one, the home run hitter, Pete Alonso, spoke on WCBS Radio. Pete, a good night for you at the plate, using right field a lot. What's really opened up the opposite side for you? Um, honestly, I, I get a nice big target every single time I go up to the plate because um, a lot of the defenses and opponent, opposing teams shift me, and if they're going to give me that side of the field, I want to be able to use it to the best of my ability. You saw a lot of fly balls, not that you hit one out, but your teammates hit a lot of fly balls to the warning track and the wall today. Are any of you guys finding difficulty hitting this baseball out of the ballpark? Um, I mean, sometimes sometimes you get a squishy one, sometimes you get uh, one that'll fly for you. So you don't know if you're going to be hitting SpongeBob or, or Patrick's Rock up there. So you never know what you're going to get. 
What did you think of the pitching staff today? Oh, they were lights out. Both games, lights out. I mean, so many guys came came to play. And uh, our, our whole entire staff, Cookie, Petey, all of our bullpen guys, Sugar closed the first one out, and uh, Seth did a wonderful job here today. I mean, so many of our guys threw the ball really well today, and is I mean, it's such such an awesome way to win both these games. You guys have to show the Braves how for real you guys are this year. We want to show everyone. I mean, doesn't matter who we play. I mean, Braves are obviously a um, rival of ours, a really good ball club, and uh, doesn't matter who we play. We got to come out and. Um, Come out and play well. All right, Pete, thanks a lot. Good job tonight. LFGM, appreciate it. Do you get that in the middle of that interview? Sometimes you get a squishy one. There is a kernel of wisdom right in the middle of that interview. Isn't that how to describe life in general? Sometimes you get a squishy one. Excellent turn of a phrase, Pete Alonso. And to borrow a phrase from Howie Rose, put it in the books. And uh, put a doubleheader sweep in the books as well. The final line from game two. Three runs, nine hits, no errors for the Mets, 0-6-0 for the Braves, a game that was played in a lickety split two hours, 18 minutes. Carrasco the win, Kyle Wright, who had been 3-0 with a 1.1 ERA, he takes the loss for the ATL. Carrasco was the story of this game. After the crummy eight-out effort five days prior, he gave the Mets eight innings this time as opposed to eight outs. His longest scoreless start, since blanking the Twins for eight and a third back in 2017 with Cleveland. And the big thing about his night was damage control. He was weaving in and out of traffic pretty much all game, but he held the Braves hitless in 11 at-bats with runners in scoring position. Just remarkable how he was able to get that done. All five of his strikeouts in this game came in those runners in scoring position situations. And after the game, Carlos Carrasco was asked about all that. Yes, you're right. That's, that's, uh, that's what my goal. Just go on in there, throw many uh, innings I can to save the bullpen. And I'm glad everything went the way that I want to. What were you able to do particularly well in uh, runners in scoring position situation? You know, I think the more important is attack. With the best, the best, uh, the best pitch I got, the was fastball and slider for that time. Um, everything came out really, really good. Uh, lead off man twice, double, um, uh, mover to the third bay, uh, one out, and able to to get the three out right there and just hold it right there in third bay. That was really good. Now Carrasco back in good graces. The Mets earning their major league leading sixth shutout win of the year already in a sweep of the doubleheader. They have swept both of their double dips now this year. As for the manager, here's what Buck Showalter had to say when it was done. You know, for those that got to see him, you know, this that was you know back when he when he first started pitching, and it's a reminder of how good a pitcher he is. That's a tough lineup to go through. What so, was he? Especially the you know talk about the third time around. How about the fourth time around? What was he able to do so successfully tonight, especially with runners in scoring position? I think he was able to land a lot of pitches. You know, he had when as a hitter, you just can't. Sometimes after two or three, four innings, you can box something out because they know they can't land it. And uh, I don't think they ever had a feel. He carries fastball the whole game. You know, we kept looking to see, and you know, he he's not one of those guys. None of our starters are guys that come in and you know are looking for you. You got to find them. You know, Carlos was fine to go out and try the ninth. He had a short leech, leash in the eighth, too. But Seth was a guy that was capable of pitching multiple innings if we needed it. And we had some other arms down there available. 
All right, there's the skipper. And one more note from game two. A couple more hits for Jeff McNeil. So the squirrel now batting 349. If you want to talk about a bounce back, Jeff McNeil not getting headlines like Lindor or Alonzo or Scherzer, but he is really making things happen. As for what is happening today, the quick turnaround, we will have that next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So this afternoon, the getaway day matinee. The Mets will take the field 10 games over 500 and getting ready for a series in Philly and Washington. They're going to do this thing today at 110 on a Wednesday afternoon. Ian Anderson against Tyler McGill, who has Jacob DeGrom stand in, has now done a DeGrom-like thing, 4-0, 1.93. By the way, if you want a good follow on Twitter, Tyler himself is too shy to be a, a social media star, but his mom's account is really entertaining. She be Came a huge player in this space pretty recently, tweeting not just about her son, but about Mets fandom in general. She's at Jules McGill, which is J-U-L-S-M-E-G-I-L-L, at Jules McGill. No E in the Jules part. And if you're not following me yet, I'm at Josh Lewin stuff, and there is an E in Lewin. I'd welcome your input about this project that we like to call Mets in the Morning. I, I do hear the music, so it's time to wrap it up, as we always do, by giving a shout-out to the Mets in the Morning House Band. They did a wonderful job with Daryl Boston making a return appearance. See, this time, we, we work Daryl in occasionally. Daryl, this time, is on keyboards and slapping the bass. How about Vinny Rotino? I am recording this from Italy, so yeah, Vinny Rotino. The horn section, Wally Whitehurst. And finally, on drums... Let's go with Joe Orsalak. I bid you arrivederci. We'll do a couple more of these from uh, the old Europe and uh, then back to the States to watch the Mets a little more up close. Hope you're making plans to go out and see him yourself. Your commute will be easier than mine. This is Josh Lewin. Take it easy. Let's go Mets.